Amen. Amen. Greetings, Christian Faith Baptist Church, disciples, saints of the Most High God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to study your word. Um, we're hiding it in our heart, and we pray, Lord, that uh, we will respond through the Spirit of God to the word that you've placed in us to live, act, serve, do according to what you would have us to do. And so, Father, we ask that you would forgive us for the times that we have ignored your voice. Um, but, Lord, we are your sheep and we hear your voice. And, Lord, help us to walk in obedience as we study and learn more about you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, it's been uh, kind of a, a, a break. Uh, we are going to return back to um, First Timothy chapter 4, and we will read that in just a moment. Um, but I won't, before we get into chapter 4, I just want to do a quick uh, recap that Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, and basically he's instructing the, uh, him on how to set the church in order or the church as in order in Ephesus. And so he had sent Timothy um, to that area to help the church to be structured so that they can carry out uh, the message of the gospel, as well as to uh, protect the church um, as things were creeping in that were unlike God. And we'll get more into that. Um, and if, if you would turn back your pages or your page, to uh, chapter three, verses 14 through 16. Um, and that's kind of a summary of what, um, what we have talked about thus far. And basically it says, it uh, talks about the ensure that the church is established and put in order. Uh, we talked about the leadership of the church and the responsibilities in particular, the overseer and deacons. Uh, we talked about what is the church, uh, church of the living God a pillar and foundation of the truth. It is Christ-centered. Um, that's kind of the baseline of what uh, Paul has sharing with Timothy. And that's why when he said in those verses, until I get there, these are the things that I want you to set in order. These are the things that I want you to teach. And so I'll um, just ask you to reread again, um, chapter three, verses 14, uh, 14 through 16. But tonight we're gonna launch into 1 Timothy chapter 4, and um, let's go ahead and read that together. Does anybody have it? If you could read uh, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 16, well, the entire chapter. Don't be shy. I have it, Pastor Keith. Okay, go ahead. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to obtain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, 
and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with the thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people and especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scriptures, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Preserve in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Amen. Thank you so much for reading God's word. And so when we approach this passage, uh, chapter four, uh, I've divided it out and uh, depends on, you know, some of the study, study Bibles have a different way of laying out the outline, but um, the way that I'm going to approach this is verses one through four will be the first section that we'll look at, uh, then verses six through 11, and then uh, actually first, yeah, verses six through 11, and then closing with 12 through 16. So let's go back to uh, verses one through, sorry, yeah, one through four. Starts off saying, and again, the transition was, okay, Timothy, this is what you are to teach. And now he's going into some, what I'll call some, some warnings, uh, the church, the, the basic structure, laid the foundation, and now uh, goes into some warnings. And so what's the first thing he says is the spirit clearly, or the spirit expressly says in some translation, or clearly says what? The spirit clearly says um, that in what's going to happen? People are going to fall away from the faith. Amen. That people are going to fall away from the faith. And this is a word that we've called uh, there, there's going to be a, a, an apostasy. And that it basically means the falling away. Um, and, and, and it's interesting that he says the spirit clearly says. And so I want to examine that for just a moment. So what is he what is he referring to when he says the spirit clearly says? There's some options that we can consider. So let's let's talk uh, dive down and see 
what are some of the things you can say that where where is he getting this information? He has this by the spirit, but have we heard this before in any of the letters of Paul? The spirit clearly says, what is he pointing back to? So let's talk about that for a moment. He speaks, he speaks, Pastor, as much. He speaks of seducing spirits or some um, um, bad doctrines that people will express. And it's of the devil and nothing of Christianity. Okay. Amen. So the, the spirit clearly says, and he warns them against the false teachings. So when it talks about the, the personal, is this a personal revelation that Paul is receiving from the spirit? And we'd have to go back to several places and some we studied already. We studied in Thessalonians and both, the first and second Thessalonians and Galatians. So this teaching that Paul has been given to the church, there's been several warnings um, that there will be those that creep into the church to, to teach seducing spirits, yes. as well as, you know, we'd have to go back to Acts chapter 19 and really where he's talking to the Ephesian elders, uh, warning of those that would come in to divide uh, the body of Christ. And so the spirit has already warned us that these things would take place. And so all of us, not just them there in the church of Ephesus, even now we need to keep our eyes and ears open because in the last days, these things would come about. And so we praise God that we are engaged in the study of God's word so that we can be prepared um, so not only has Paul said these things, as I mentioned in Galatians, uh, Thessalonians, mm -hmm. and to the Ephesians elders and Acts, and you can read throughout Paul's letter, he repeats this over and over again, but the spirit talking also through the other apostolic leaders. Um, if you were to read the letter of Jude, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that it says in the letter of Jude is um, fight for the faith once entrusted to you because there were uh, false doc doctrines that were creeping up to them. And you can read um, the Apostle John, whether it's in the first, second, or third letter, um, uh, even in somewhat uh, the, the Gospel of John, but more importantly, in the first, second, and third letters of John, there's warnings to the body of Christ. The Spirit of God is warning us to really to take heed of those false doctrines and that these things would come about. And finally, uh, well, actually there's two more in the Old Testament. So remember when Paul says about the scriptures, he's not talking about Matthew through Revelation. They were not composed yet. So when he refers to teaching sound doctrine, what is he talking about? It's not only talking about his letters, he's talking about those things which were written through the prophets that foretold who Jesus is. Um, and so sometimes when we talk about the Old Testament, we kind of sometimes dismiss it that this, but just by the word old, it's does old does not mean not relevant. It's just in comparison to the old old versus the new testament old covenant versus new covenant but it's all 
God's word. And so uh, even in the Old Testament, there were the prophecies like, can anybody name, this is kind of a Bible quiz. So can anybody name a prophet that may have some prophetic warnings of things that would happen in the end times? Wow. Isaiah. Okay. So Isaiah warned about things that would happen in the end time, especially when you get to um, chapters 40 through 66. And I was thinking primarily about Daniel um, and all those prophecies talking about uh, those things that would come near the end. So this is not anything new that the church, the body of Christ, God's people were warned. Did I hear somebody just now? John the Baptist. Okay. Also, uh, yeah, John. So he's kind of the, in that bridge, um, warning about those things, as well as Jesus himself. Amen. If you look at uh, both Mark chapter 13 and Matthew 24, and I think it's Luke 21, but certainly Mark 13, Matthew 24, it talks about what is going to come at the end of the ages. And so the, we have been warned. Yes. So listen up, people of God. <laughs> Pay attention uh, that these things that the Spirit is warning us about, that the, the Spirit clearly says. And so we have to be in, in tune to be on our guard and to stand firm on God's word. And so throughout the letters of Paul and the Gospels, Old Testament, the other letters that were written, um, they were it was warnings against apostasy and falling away. And, and I've mentioned Galatians a couple of times, because even Paul said, if if I, referring to himself, or some angel teaches some some gospel that is not a gospel at all, that is, that does not promote Christ, then be on your guard. And so we always have to not put our confidence and trust in humanity, but our confidence and trust is in who? Jesus. God himself, his word, and standing on his word. So there's an, a warning against the apostasy or abandoning of the faith, especially those that renounce the faith, those that fell away. And this is also another challenge. Mm -hmm. Because when we talk about falling away, it raises so many issues. What does he mean about falling away? Is this a challenge to um, the, you know, but wait a minute. I thought once saved, always saved, uh, the uh, security of the saints. So what, what does this mean that they fell away? And there's several ways of looking at it, but just kind of, mull over it just for a moment. What is he talking about, about those that fell away? You will stop practicing the things of Christ. Uh, they will start doing things that people of the world would do. Okay, they will stop doing what else? Because this is this. I mean, because he's talking about some that at least, go ahead, I was a deacon. Yeah, a, a, weak, a weak in faith. If you're weak and you fall Okay, away. a weak in faith. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. 
I think we all have times when we struggle with our faith and concerns. Does that mean we have fallen away? Um, so what, what is he talking about there? Could it be um, have something to do with denouncing the uh, beliefs that they once embraced? Okay. Turning yes, it definitely, it, it definitely talks about denouncing those things which um, they departed from the way. Um, wow. So how can it, I mean, you just think about how valuable the truth the eternal word of God and turning and renouncing and turning away from that. So what does that, what does that say? Well, one, does that say that God is not able to sustain us? Do we have to live in fear of falling away or we're going to mess up? What, what is this talking about? Well, let me answer it before you get too concerned. <laughs> God is a keeper and he's a sustainer. Amen. Remember what uh, Jesus talked about, the sower and the seed. Some fell by the wayside and some took root and et cetera, et cetera. And so I believe that this is referring to those that at least on the surface may have looked like they embraced, but it never yeah. took root. Um, and yeah. so they may have just like... Um, Paul actually is going to say it when we get over to, I think, 2 Timothy, that they um, deny the power. of They have a form of godliness, but deny its power. And didn't Jesus say, there are many that will say, Lord, Lord, but when he comes before him, I never knew you. And so, again, that's a warning against not putting our trust in man or humanity but really holding fast to the word of wow. God, because there can be some very persuasive and powerful uh, individuals that people follow, but it leads to falsehood, death, and destruction. Mm -hmm. Following, and here's the word that he uses, at least in uh, the uh, NIV, it, it talks about following deceiving spirits. Wow, we don't like to talk about that spirit world because it's just something we just don't always have a, a handle on. So, but remember what Paul taught in Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 20, to put on the whole armor of God for we wrestle not against what? flesh blood. and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness and high places. So this spiritual warfare is real. Yes. I'll say it again. This spiritual warfare is real. And the, the enemy comes to do a few things to steal, steal. To kill and destroy. And destroy. So following deceiving spirits, and there are those that would, would take someone away, take others away. And so we have to be on our guard. Matter of fact, he has some harsh words for them. He calls them hypocritical liars. Mm. So sometimes we throw that word around, hypocritical, oh, he's such a hypocrite. But this is serious. Because sometimes we, you know, we don't always live up or measure measure up. But here he's talking about folks that 
uh, pretending to follow the Lord and teaching false doctrine, leading people away. And, and here's what it says, hypocritical liars, consciousness seared as with a hot iron. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you've never done it, but I've heard of somebody who took a hot iron to a shirt mm -hmm. and they put that hot iron on a shirt. And you can imagine what happened because it said, put it on the low set setting. But somebody didn't read the direction. I'm just talking about somebody, me. Um, and what happened to that? What do you think happened to that shirt? It burned it. It burned uh, it. It was Either. seared. What's that? <laughs> it yeah, was it was seared. seared. And so um, it's not, you don't see too many people walking around with a shirt with an iron mark in them. It's very noticeable. And, and here he talks about the consciousness sneered as with a hot iron. And not, we're not just talking about uh, a, a Teflon-coated iron. We're talking about a branding iron, branding mm -hmm. iron that leaves a mark. Mm -hmm. um, and so be very careful that these are the ones that will leave a negative mark and try to steal, kill, it, and destroy. It ruined, like I said, when you use it, think about it from a, 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 a hot iron. Uh, it makes a hole, ruins the material. Um, no longer useful. So just be on guard because that will ruin our lives as we follow those. And then there's some other things that these, those ones that are following um, this apostasy, uh, I'll use the word asceticism. Uh, what is asceticism? That is, uh, and I'm using the definition, it's severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence. In other words, what they were teaching was they had to, and, and it could lead to things of hurting oneself, trying to kill the flesh to the point um, of separating themselves, even mm. as said here, abstaining from marriage. Amen. Amen. So what does that do? If you're abstaining from marriage, in, this was not just for those uh, advising them not to get married at all. This was also talking about those who are already married. Mm -hmm. And this Paul taught about this elsewhere, about them separating from one another mm -hmm. and especially not involved in any, what do I call it, um, intimate relations because anything mm -hmm. of the flesh is bad. And yeah. so there was bringing in division within the home. And when there's division in, in the home, remember this marriage is kind of the, the building block of our society, of the church. And so what they were doing is bringing in division. So this was not anything that was promoting godliness. This was actually ended up being divisive. This was attack on the family. Any comments? So he wants us to, to be thinking through these things. Not only that, says abstain from, they were also teaching about abstaining from food. And I think people are going to like what Paul teaches next. And that is food is good. Yes. As long as it's blessed. He created it. Yes. As long as it's And nothing blessed. is to be rejected. Amen. If it is received with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. 
consecrated by the word of God and prayer. See, they were going to the asceticism of the point of or separating themselves or they're denying themselves, not only in marriage, but the food that they ate. And that was a sign of being spiritual. Uh, they had this super spirituality. Uh, but what they were saying was what, what Paul is teaching Timothy. No, that's not what it's all about. God has blessed. You're able to uh, uh, take part of this because this is consecrated, separated by God. Don't put all that stuff. And, and, and these are all some things of many other things where people are were adding to what it really meant to be godly. So that's the warning part, verses 1 through 4. But let's let's move. Any, any comments before I move forward? Okay, verses 6 through 10. Speaking to Timothy, and I entitled this section really what it means to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. I have a few things listed. So just quickly glance over verses 6 through 10. What are some elements that would identify or would help a young minister to be a good minister of Jesus Christ? What are some of the elements? Let's go to verse six. Go to verse six and seven. Truth of faith and the gospel teaching that you okay. Say, say that one more time. Uh, truth of the faith and of the good teaching that you will have followed. Okay. So when we are talking about um, building up, being a good minister of Jesus Christ. One, faithful to the teaching. Amen. Faithful to the teaching. Staying grounded in the word of God. What else? Um, I have nothing to do with godless myths and old, old wives tales okay to be godly hold, hold that thought there's a couple more i want to make sure faithful to teaching nourished in the words of faith so not only to teach just continue to study being nourished in the words of faith and then careful adherence to and following the truth so it's dedicated committed and devoted and sincere to the word of god as opposed to, again, what Deacon Farrell just mentioned, is not getting into godless myths mm. and old wives' tales. Mm. 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 Uh, that mm is right. <laughs> so even then, old wives' tales, godless myths. Are, are there any parallels that we can think about today that made into the category of either godless myth, because there's a lot of things that we say in the church uh, or have been traditions, old wives' tales. Sorry, that's what it says, but I'll, so I'm going to use that that language. Old wives' tales. What what are some of those things that we um, and almost to the point of 
making that the standard versus the word of God. Are there any examples that you can think about? Well, Pastor, we got a favorite saying, uh-huh. and you, you hear people say, uh, if you take one step, I was God hoping would somebody two. would, I was hoping somebody would bring that up. Go ahead, say yeah. it again. They say, if you take one step, God will take two. Uh, God will take the other, but you got to take the first step. But I always tell them, when you are helpless and you can't do anything, God will do everything. But we somehow or another, we believe that we got to be able to do something. Sometimes you're in such a state that you can't do anything, but sit there. But but yeah. uh, a old tale that often said, you take one step, God will take two. Yeah, and I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and we just have to be careful because what that can imply is that, you know, God is not going to do anything until you act first, but it's really the reverse. God has already taken the step when he went to Calvary. Mm -hmm. So he's already not only, he's way ahead of us from the end to the beginning, from the beginning to the end. And so sometimes it, puts the pressure on people in ways that really we we understand what that what people are trying to say but we just have to be on guard that that is not the biblical the, we're using that as biblical truth because there are people who will say yeah I know it's in the Bible somewhere you won't find that okay well anything else God help those that help themselves I was hoping somebody would say that one too so <laughs> Let's talk about that one. What does that what does that imply? God helps is very similar to the other one. God helps those that help themselves. Help themselves. That's right. <laughs> what does that, what do, what does that mean? What is that saying? That, God that God's going to help you if you help yourself. Okay. Yeah. And so, yes, God has empowered us. But the reason why we can do the works and do the things that we do is because of the power of God. And he's enabled us to do it. He has, as he said, Paul said in Philippians, he's both given us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And so we have to be very careful that we teach the truth of, of the word of God so that we don't fall into you know, setting some folks up that, you know, I'm, I'm not meeting where God is. And sometimes folks are at a point where they can, they can't do anything and they really have to just always rely on God from the beginning to the end. Let's try pastor, any, any, go ahead. Yeah. I think that that was mostly meant for folk that knew folk were lazy. It wasn't <laughs> for those who couldn't do it. It was for lazy people. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was like a, a it was like a prodding then it's like get up <laughs> get to work okay but yeah so there's just just some things that we have to make sure that we're staying in in the word of god and, and really holding on to the truth of the word of god okay Let, let's look at um the next part at, at, that Deacon Farai told you to hold, and that is reject, to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. We're still in this section. Reject godless myths, old wives' tables, and 
Old Wise Tales. Next, exercise yourself toward godliness. And then he says, are you, are you all hearing me? Mm -hmm. Then he says, bodily exercise. Some translations say it different. So um, could somebody read that verse in their translation? Exercise yourself toward godliness. Uh, what verse is that? The eight. Verse eight. Yeah, somebody mm -hmm. read verse eight. For no. physical training yeah, that's is it. some value, but godliness okay. has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Okay. So let me say this. From that translation, that does not mean that because it has some value, doesn't mean that you can say, well, I don't have to do it because it only has some value. So this cannot be used as an excuse not to exercise. Amen. I only heard one amen. 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 We are we are already talking about wellness and taking self-care, taking care of the body. So I just want to make sure that um because some uh I think it's King James says, bought for bodily exercise profiteth little. And so you could read that to me. Well, since Profit is little, so what's the use? No, that's not what he's saying at all. It's used as a comparison or a contrast. Yes, it's important to remember the, the Greek games and all those things were important, and especially in Ephesus being a capital city. So they were big into the, the, the games uh, of competition and athletics. And so there were those that really focused on that. But he says, that's not what's most important. What is most important, Timothy, for you to teach? Godliness. Godliness. Some, some folks are so self-absorbed because it can become self-absorbed and take away from really spiritual growth and maturity. So godliness profits in all things holding promise to the present and to the future. So it's not going to fail. Whereas bodily exercise, it, it's good. It helps sustain us. Yes. But make sure the emphasis is on godliness. Godliness. Yes. And finally, Pastor, go ahead. Pastor, that also reminds me of what 3 John says, uh, verse 2. Mm -hmm. when, when he was talking to Gales, he was saying that, I wish that you were prosper in all things, in your health, as well as in your soul prosper. That's and right. He said, you know, that he wants us to prosper yeah. in every area. That's because right. And that's holistic. Th thank yeah. you. And that's the word I, I, I wanted to use. Wholeness, wellness, the, the mm -hmm. whole person. Love the Lord with all your might, your mind, everything that is within us. Praise the Lord and serve the Lord. So all of that is important, not one over the other. It's all important to make sure that we understand that that's what's going to hold us to eternal life is those things that we had nurtured in the spirit. So, Timothy, if you're teaching those things, and then finally he, he says, um, pay attention to this, or this is a trustworthy saying. Listen carefully to this, Timothy. 
And it's almost as if we use the expression sometimes when we say, well, if you don't hear anything else, it's kind of that emphatic part. This is why we labor and strive. This is why we labor and strive. What is this? What is the reason we labor and strive? Well, we have put, what does it say there? We have put our trust in, in, in the living God. God. Living God. And trust in the living God. Who is the Savior? Who Little is Savior, man. Read, read, read that verse? Who is the what? Savior of all people. Uh-huh. Especially those who believe. So you have to read that one more time. The Savior of of all people, especially of those who believe. So whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God has sent his son for who? The world. The world. So in that sense, he is the, the savior world. of the world because his world. plan mm -hmm. of salvation is for the world. But this is not teaching universalism, meaning that everyone will be saved because then it goes right next, especially for who? Those, that, those believe. that believe especially of those who believe. believe. So the plan of salvation is for whosoever will, but it's mm -hmm. those that call upon him and give their life to Christ. Those are the ones that have eternal life. And this is what we strive for. This is what we teach. And, and later on, he will say at the end, uh, let me just quickly go to this last part, verses 11 through 16. It's kind of what I'll call the uh, being a good minister part two. It's an admonishment to teach. Command and teach these things. One, let no one despise your youth. We don't know exactly how old Timothy was, but he's encouraging them. I, I know I'm putting a lot of responsibility on you. And some may want to reject or just dis be dismissive, dismissive of you. But here's how you can overcome that. In every area of your life, be an example. Mm -hmm. Live your life so that everything will bring glory to God. And mm -hmm. as you walk in integrity, Timothy, as you teach, preach, hold fast to the doctrines, They'll see. So don't let anybody over uh, look down on your youth. And it's also not only for them, but it's also to encourage Timothy. Because this is a big task. And we can get overwhelmed sometimes. If you don't believe me, go back and read Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Do not be afraid, Joshua. And he says it like two or three times. And so this this when we have this responsibility that Timothy had, it can be overwhelming. But he's reminding them who that the calling that he had, that God placed on his life. Not only don't let anybody despise or look over you. Secondly, devote yourself to public reading of scripture. And I alluded to this before. We're really talking about um, what we would call the Old Testament scripture but this public reading was important why because then did they have apps 
No. no. Was the printing press uh, created? No, that yeah. was not until no. the 1500s. And so this public reading of scripture was important for it to be over and over again publicly so they can hear the word of God. It's not so much that, you know, you, you almost can get legalistic about it in the sense of, well, in, in order to really worship, we have to have the public reading. Well, it's really because they did not have all the access. And so these letters or even the scrolls, they would hear it in the synagogue, they would hear it, but they, they wanted to make sure it was held publicly and commit yourself so that others would hear the word of God. Not only that, devote yourself to preaching, devote yourself to teaching, don't neglect your gift. Do, do I hear a song coming on? Yes, I do. <laughs> this little light of mine, in other words. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. So do not neglect your, your <laughs> gift. Remember, it was through the laying of, on of hands, through prophetic utterances of the body of Christ. It was not Timothy. This is not self-proclaimed. You were not ordained on <laughs> line and paid $50 for your license to be a minister. Am I, does that sound too judgmental? Sorry. Um, but this is, remember, this anointing of God is on you. Don't neglect your gift. Couple more things. Be diligent in these things. Don't give up. Preach as if your life depending on it, because it does as well as those who you preach to. Because this is the life-giving word of God. I've, I've shared with you several times the words from my mother, and I'm going to try to hold it together. Preach the word and live right. And if you read verses 15 and 16, those words that my mother spoke to me are found right here what Paul is sharing to Timothy. Watch your life and doctrine closely. In other words, Timothy, God has an anointing on you. You have a great responsibility. Make sure you're living, and I would say living holy, living with integrity, and stick to preaching and teaching and declaring the word of God, because in so doing, you will save not only yourself, Amen. but you will save others through the life-giving word of God. And I know somebody amen. can say, can, thank you. I know somebody can say amen. Amen. That the amen. word of God is life-giving, life-changing. Where would we be? If the spirit had not made that word of God alive in us, and this is exactly what Paul is saying to Timothy, you have a great responsibility. Um, pay attention to this. Be a good minister. And he's warning not only Timothy, but then there are going to be false teachers. But that's not what you're about. This is what you're about. And Timothy, preach the word and live right. And you'll be a good mm -hmm. minister of Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.
Any 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 other comments before we? Whew, I'm sorry if I rushed through that last part, but I wanted to, to get all of this in, so now we can talk a little bit more of anything that uh, I may have went over too quickly. Verse 16 is a mighty powerful, powerful, powerful word. You read, you then read read it again. Then, <laughs> man, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine continuing in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Yes. That's coming from the King James Version. Amen. Yes. That so is this powerful. Because yeah. this life saving, this life saving, this life giving word is not just for others, Timothy. Hold it fast yourself. Amen. This is not just something you do. This is part of who you are. But as it changes your life, Timothy, you're going to have an impact on others because it will save others because God's word is life-giving, life-changing. Amen. Amen. our responsibility as disciples. Yes. Disciples. And if we give the word as it is by the word of God, and and then go to others, and someone would come and ask you someday. Maybe you plant that seed; it might have fell to the wayside, but nurtured it to grow. Or you put it in the ground, and it may just spring up like wells of water. Mm -hmm. All right. I think also where much is given, much is required. I know. Okay. I, I've been ordained twice, and that was the biggest thing that. I was taught and was I, when I was a deacon said, people are looking at you. They may not see Christ, but they only see Christ in you. So be at your best behavior. And Amen. always keep yourself reading Amen. the Bible. And if, if you put money in the church, make sure you put it in there because people are watching you. You lead <laughs> by example. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 Preach the word good. Good and work. live. Right. right, every area of our our lives, um, whether it's whether and it's a good example of that is finances, how we treat one another, how we treat our family, all of that's part of because while bodily exercise profit is little, it's it's good, mm -hmm. but godliness and Amen. godliness and and touches every area of our life, not only on Sundays between 11 and 12 or 12, 15, 12, 30. Amen. It's every day. Every day. No matter where we are, the word of God <clears throat> transforms our lives. And as Deacon um, Taz will mention that others are watching and they can see Christ prayerfully. They see Christ in us and they will be attracted to the Jesus that is in us. Amen. 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 So we're going to get ready to close. We praise God for this uh, time of getting into the word of God once again. As we've uh, gone over chapter four, um, all the verses and chapter five. Um, kind of a, um, well, well, we'll get into it next week. Chapter five is instructions to various uh, peoples within the church, widows, el elders, um, and then actually even the first part of chapter six, we'll see how far we get with that. But just the various uh, groups or people groups within 
the body of Christ. And so that's what we'll do next week. Um, first Timothy chapter five, and I believe it's the first couple of verses of chapter six. Amen. 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 Well, God bless everyone. We're going to get ready to close and I'll say again, uh, uh, Deacon Spalding, it's always good to, to see you.